0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
2: full cry here.
0: Welcome listeners to The Extra Inch, my name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend Bardy, hello Bardy Hello Wendy. And our tactics guy and a man who will never ever touch another drop of carabao ever again, Nathan A. Clark, (laughs) hello Nathan It's literally poisonous (laughs) Yeah, I've heard it's not great, Uh, Bardy or should that be (laughs) Barn-D? Very good Barn-D,
1: Greg Peth says, Bardy how's your house? It's um it's amazing to have so much space. It's not a big house, but it's um a massive upgrade from a flat and it was um it was great to finally get in. It's been 6 months of uh, of pain of living with my dad and living in other people's houses and having stuff Scattered across London, so it's great to have sc- stuff scattered in in a couple of rooms now. um I'm still trying to find things. I'm still um discovering things which I had, which I'd forgotten I had, and then it's yeah, then just trying to organise stuff and dealing with cobwebs, man. I've never seen. Someone should have told me on right move that barns and beams attract spiders. There is spiders everywhere. You'd you'd be in pieces, Windy, because you're scared of spiders, aren't you? I don't get on well with spiders. Yeah, I mean, you, true to say you wouldn't survive out in these ends mate. You're right,
0: I wouldn't. Uh, Scone says, built on top of a brand new hill I'd imagine.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about building a hill and just building it right on top of Tottenham and just smothering the lot of them. <laughs> I'm not in a good mood. Not, I mean, they, they, Tottenham are on the naughty step and they're going to stay there. And they're, they're lucky I'm so modern that it's a naughty step. Otherwise, you know, when I was young, I would have been stood in the corner, facing the corner like some, something out of Blair Witch. I'm, I'm not happy with them.
0: I know you're in a bad mood because some, <laughs> someone posted earlier in the Fighting Cock WhatsApp group that um, Nogglesman's going to buy it and your response was good.
1: <laughs> we don't deserve <laughs> nice things. You get these players that have a nice manager with a good philosophy. No, no, no. Let's get someone in worse than Mourinho that runs them into the ground. I, I you know, yeah, worse than Mourinho. Well, I don't. At least Mourinho give me some joy by burning them to the ground, and I'd, I'd like to burn all of them anyway. We'll get into it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah, let's talk about the Carabao Cup final. So all that build up all that um, all that expression of joy that we all had waking up in the morning of the cup final the sun's out people are going to Wembley going to go and have a few beers with their mates it felt kind of normal again I felt really pleased to see people on my Twitter timeline who were posting pictures of themselves walking up Wembley way and I was just feeling really jealous of of them being there Mm. Um, (laughs) another team lineups came out. Yeah. So on Twitter, I said that I didn't love the lineup. Uh, privately, I said that the lineup completely bummed me out. Hmm. Um, I didn't want to bum everyone else out on Twitter, but I did not like that lineup one bit.
2: They were already bummed out. They were, they were also <laughs> independently bummed out <laughs> by seeing the lineups themselves.
0: Right, right. And it seemed to be mainly directed at Harry Winks, Nathan. Yeah,
2: and, and I don't blame people for feeling that way. I feel similarly, you know, I, that's just where we are now. Um, I, I tried to sort of rationalise it to myself and, and be like, okay, it's about sort of containment in the first half, and then at half-time maybe we'll bring in on, and maybe we'll bring Bale or maybe Deli on, and then we'll like we'll have a we'll have a go of it in the second half. And I think in a lot of ways that's kind of how the the game was starting to play out for us but then we didn't make those subs which then does really open up the the starting 11 for its full criticism and i I do think that that's fair
0: yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and Dombalay was just such a big miss, such yeah. an important player in in any style we attempt to play, I think, but particularly in this style. I mean, it seems that the one guy you want is is the press resistant midfielder who can yeah. actually hold on to the ball in the few moments you can attempt to to have possession against a team as aggressively possession oriented as Man City. Um Body. Kane was involved. So Minneapolis Spur says, when you saw the lineups, did you really think we had a chance today? It's hard to win when you're a man down. Um, were you concerned about Kane's fitness beforehand? And how did you feel about that at the end of the match?
1: No, I, I think Kane playing was the correct decision. Um, even though perhaps he wasn't as mobile as he should have been, I still thought his link play was pretty good. He remained a constant threat. He he was good on the ball. He, you know, he tried to spring a few decent counter-attacks I don't think this is Kane's fault and I can totally understand why Mason felt like playing him um in the same way I, I don't I wasn't down about Winks playing either I thought Winks did okay enough against Southampton and I could see the logic of kind of playing him and like Nathan said you know survive the, the first 30 minutes 40 minutes and then let's get to half time and see what's going to happen we know what Man City are going to do and the way they monopolise possession and just kind of hang in there. And then you could see at the start of the second half how the game opened up a little bit. But yeah, that's the time when we should have seen Endon Valle. But I wasn't too down about the starting lineup. I was more down about the substitutions and just some of the performances of some of the individuals out there.
0: I completely agree that the the substitutions were were a major issue. Um, I I, I agree as well that, like, whilst it's not fun to watch us play like that against Man City, and we got away with a lot, a lot... A lot Like as in Expected goals for Manchester City Was something like 3.5 And for Spurs mm. It was 0.04 This was not like This was not a good Containment job We got lucky That City yep. didn't exploit us more But Having got to 80 minutes With this lineup. And having sort of, you could almost see the argument for why they tried to do what they tried to do at 80 minutes. You're like, okay, fine. They've taken a calculated gamble. Not my cup of tea, but it's it's working to an extent at this point. Let's go and let's go and do something. And then we go and concede a goal in the most foolish of ways. And it's really just, it's irritating to concede a set piece goal against Man City. Like they haven't got enough other ways of, of scoring goals.
1: <laughs> I mean, like, I think it's I think the it's... most basic mistake. I think you I think a lot of people have been a little bit unfair here you know because you know a set piece goal does involve skill and De Bruyne whips that in with with skill and um Laporte attacks it and it's you know we've talked a lot about set piece goals being being able to split um, tight games. So I think it's not like a Burnley set piece goal, but even even that's been unfair. I, I think the goal is fair and it counts. It counts as obviously it counts as a goal. So I think to lose to a set piece goal is like a sentence which which doesn't make too sense. They make much sense because they forced us into an error and then they ex, they exploited it with a great cross. I think. I think it was the build-up to that, and it was just, just Aurier, and, and you can't blame Aurier because he gives away the free kick, but it's just this continual bullshit from a lot of our players of, I've seen Aurier do that a thousand times, and he keeps doing that, and it's, it's that which bothered me, it's the continued mistake from the same individuals, and they keep getting game time. Perhaps I, perhaps I would We all forgive Mason For this And that's fair Because he's a young guy And it's not his team It's not his fault But I, Oh there's
0: nothing to forgive It's you know he's his second game In management I don't think there's Anything to forgive
1: I just think I just think Had he just Played Tanganga Had he just played Endonbele Had he not put Sissoko in Had he not put Aurier in Then 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 there could have been We could have taken Something from this But it's just that was a Jose Mourinho Team and a Jose Mourinho Performance mm-hmm. And I was expecting A bit more from From Mason And I was expecting A little bit More from our players, and I don't blame Mason, I put this squarely on our players. And I think it's unfair. I think Son has got a lot of criticism. I didn't, I turned the TV off, but I heard about him crying. And I was just like, a little bit like, this is going to sound proper coy's gammon football. But I'm just a bit like, fuck off, mate. I'm just at that point with Tottenham where I'm just like, you could have done better. And I understand you're upset, but you're nowhere near as upset as me.
0: Yeah, I wondered whether Son, in part, was crying at his own performance and like out of a sense of frustration because he was Mm. really bad. Really, really bad. Um, On the Aurier point. So this is where, when people talk about mentality and, and and having a winning mentality and the right attitude, so this is what mentality is to me. It's it's Aurier's mistake there. So I don't think that we set out to aggressively press Man City. So to say that we weren't trying, I think is completely unfair because I thought mm-hmm. the players stuck to the target. They didn't do, you know, tactically it was poor. I don't think the players didn't try. I thought they tried. But Aurier just ha- has these lapses. And it's really frustrating because, as you mentioned, they happen time and time and time again. And he had a really good game on the whole. I thought Aurier played well. He was effective. He he made some good challenges. He was sensible. And then he does the most Serge Aurier thing, like a completely unnecessary challenge. And that, for me, is the sort of the mentality issue that that if anything you need to fix. It's it's players making mistakes that we've seen them make a million times before and not being able to correct them. That's Like as serious as people's assertions that they're, they're not trying hard enough to not running fast enough not, not aggressive enough like that is my issue with mentality and and I don't think you can fix it with a player like Aurier otherwise someone would have done by now and I think it's it's certainly time that he leaves uh, which, is a, which is a damn shame because he's got a lot of positive attributes but he's, you can't trust him you just can't trust him um, Nathan what did you think Mason was trying to do with his substitutes?
2: <laughs> I'm really not sure other than just sort of keep legs fresh to be honest okay, I mean there's an extent to which, like, Bale is, yeah, uh, is is the obvious pick as like a player with sort of limited energy, limited defensive contribution, but is going to be pretty wicked on the counter attack. Um, and saving that for late like, that that's that for me makes perfect sense. Um, I thought on the day Lucas was having a much better game than, than Sun, yeah, and so maybe, for sure. um, but but whatever. Um, the the lack of a domble is really frustrating. I, I, I at no point. During this process, have I thought, yeah, right, Mason should be our long-term manager, you know, (laughs) slap down a contract for five years and let him write whatever number he wants. (laughs) Uh, All that kind of nonsense. But I did, I think, get a little carried away with this imagination of Ryan Mason, who was going to make the kind of decisions that I want to be made, right? Talking about... Tottenham playing attacking football talking about um Pochettino influence talking about pride in our club and all those kind of things and I sort of fallen in love with Ryan Mason a little bit and I'm thinking yeah he's gonna he's gonna start <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna start Tange, and then it's just not materializing in any of those kind of ways in that game and so I am disappointed and I am frustrated um that game was crying out for Ndombele um because when we did beat City uh, late last year, and ability to find Kane was was absolutely enormous, and and that's always going to be the case, as you were saying earlier, we don't need to really need to retrace really it. But but uh, I mean, Winks dying, I can I can kind of forgive it. I can kind of say, okay, you want you want Hoibier to play one of the wide inch midfielders, you need someone to sit in there and be the number six. I get that, and okay, yeah. But again, like I said earlier, all of that is based on the premise that you're then going to make that switch later on. And that switch just doesn't come. And then you have to say, well, why are you playing Winks 2021? Why are you bringing Sissoko on to play alongside him 2021? We are now, what, three and a half years into seeing Winks and Sissoko in midfield together. And it's just so exhausting that mm. this is still where we are at as a club. Three managers saying, yeah, these are my guys. These are who I want to be seen on the pitch together. And it never works for any of them. Obviously, a lot of that is a reflection of the squad building going on at the club launch. Term, but you still there's still at least two of those managers who'd never had to play either of these two players if they didn't want to, and yet we're still seeing on the same pitch trying to get a goal. I think, I think if it's in Domble instead of Sissoko, yes, absolutely, we were lucky to survive the first half, but you're always gonna have to be lucky against City, that was always gonna have to be essentially part of the game plan. I think if it's in Domble, if and if he comes on at half time, not 60 odd minutes comes on for Lacelso or maybe Winks or whatever um, because the game was slowing down in that second half. It slowed down a lot. I think a, a lot of the, the shots, a lot of the, the XG that City put up would have been from the first half. Mm. We started to get off some vaguely threatening counters. Mm-hmm. Harry Kane couldn't reach a full sprint although he was still sort of our most um, useful player on the break. Son looks like, yeah, I don't know, not mentally there. Like the, the he a pressure had got to him or something. His passing was, was terrible. He wasn't making the right runs. Lucas was Lucas, you know, good at what he does. Um, whether we're better for it is hard to say, you know. But but winning fouls, if nothing else, um, are carrying the ball some distance. And I just thought if Ndombele's in that mix, throwing some passes, you know, getting Son to make those runs because of his ability... Um, it could have been a very different second half. So, I mean, it's it's always... And I was always going to be reluctant to sort of make big, bold claims about Ryan Mason two games in. Um, but I'm definitely frustrated by the decisions he made in this match. That doesn't mean that I'm, you know, oh, I'm expecting him to be, you know, lose all the remaining league games. I, I still think that he can he can make better decisions going forward from here on. Um, And maybe, maybe it'll come out that Ndombele had a knock or an illness or whatever. And all of this conversation is very silly in, in retrospect, but, um, yeah I, I was really frustrated by his decisions and it's not like if we'd have played Ndombele we'd definitely have won it's just like we would have had our best chance and that's all I wanted to see really was us to have a go at it and I just I didn't think we really had a go at it in the final which is immensely disappointing
1: I mean I, I think there is something here we need to we need to look at in depth at some point with Ndombele why is this the third manager at Tottenham to not really trust him or start him why why is another manager having doubts about him I I'm not sure I'm not sure about this. I don't
2: think that that's true. I think Pochettino started him whenever he was match fit. He just had a lot of injuries under Pochettino. Um, Mourinho obviously took his time but was keen to get him in. I, 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 I hear what you're saying, mm. but I think we need to pause on that a little while long before we start thinking about that.
0: Okay. I think Bardi might be onto something. Um, I think he's misunderstood, honestly. I think he's misunderstood. As a player. And I think I think yesterday showed why he's essential. You know, as Nathan points out, having him in the team doesn't mean we've got a god-given right to suddenly win the game. Like, I, I still think we lose. I still think we lose. Probably. But, but we probably have a go. A bit more of a go. And we maybe accumulate more than 0.04 xG. <laughs> Just 0.04 xG in a game. I mean, I've been quite... Like gentle with my takes post match because I'm like it's Mason's second game in charge what, against one of the best teams in the world. What do we expect? But that is that is pitiful. Isn't it? Point 04, two shots. It's pitiful.
1: But then, then why appoint Mason? Like maybe and this is—I've never thought these words would come out of my mouth—but why don't you just appoint Eddie Howe on a short-term contract? Why don't you give it to somebody with a little bit more experience than than Ryan Mason? Is it because we we're, we're more willing to forgive because it's Ryan Mason, or I, I, thats what I don't make—that's what I don't understand about this. Fine, we sacked Mourinho because it was going nowhere and things were getting from bad to worse. Mason's come in, we beat Southampton, and then maybe we could—he could inspire something here. But he has been unable to. To do that so why didn't we go for a more experienced stopgap instead of instead of a a child in management terms that's that's the confusing thing here it
0: could be due to cost or it could just be to, due to speed just you know being able to quickly arrange someone to come in and literally take training on that first the first couple of days i don't know um yeah some expertise would have been useful i mean chris powell is an experienced coach who who knows his stuff you know which also makes me question why chris powell isn't our head coach but yeah that's a question for another the day potentially. Um yeah, tricky one to answer. We just need to get through these last what five games, six games? and get a new manager in as soon as possible and, and feel like we're moving forward like Nathan says I, I feel like Mason can probably do a, a fine job in the last few games I certainly feel more optimistic going into them than I did with Mourinho in charge and I, I'd like to think we might see some Deli. we might see a lot more bail, so that would be fun but um yeah this is this is a short term get the season up, see the season out thing only it has to be
2: I think we can still get top four, and I'm still very glad that we, we made the call when we did with Mourinho and that I was able to care about that final because, okay, I'm disappointed. That disappointment is, is based on there being like hope and even like the desire to win yeah. the game going into it and everything. So, uh, you know, I, I still think um, taking a step back from this game... Things are just so much better. Uh, there's been there's been rumours going round and a, a, a seemingly leaked Jamie Redknapp voice note that we sacked him after the Everton game because we dropped to seventh and that dramatically lowered how much we had to pay him, which which makes a lot of sense of the timing. Um, so yeah, there you go. I think um, I think better times are probably round the corner for us.
0: I think we need to touch on the refereeing just because several people asked us about it. Sure. Um, Crone's cast says, is no one else really pissed off with a lack of second yellows in the game? what really annoys me is that City's whole defensive game is built around tactical fouling to stop breaks against them Fernandinho has been doing it so well for years we even use that a lot the Poch it's a vital part of defending when pushing high up the pitch and pressing high however the whole point is that there is the risk of getting a second yellow and therefore they have to be clever in rotating who is making the fouls referees are always very reluctant to give a second yellow especially in big games and therefore it takes all the risks out of that strategy why is this not picked up on more it was a problem I mean the, the argument the logical argument is that of course Laporte wouldn't make that second challenge if he was already on a yellow card fine but why wasn't he already on a yellow card why why was the ref it's i think it's fine with challenges of a sort of 50 50 nature that you might want to think about giving a yellow later in the game i think it's fine if they occur early on to say right this is, this is the warning now. Any more of that and, and yellow cards happening. But when it's a cynical sort of attack stopping challenge or a, or a shirt pull, that's in, certainly in recent times, that's always been a yellow card. There's, there should be no discretion there. It just is a yellow card. And we saw it for both teams. We saw players commit those um, fouls and yellow cards weren't given. Bardi, did that in some way sort of um, hamper our ability to win the game?
1: I mean, what you missed there is Laporte may, Laporte may have made that challenge, like Zinchenko did at White Hart Lane True. under Mourinho, but what, what it would definitely have done is Laporte wouldn't have made a challenge, and then the counter-attack builds, and then all of a sudden you've got a three-on-three, and then that's a really good goal-scoring chance. So I think, I think that's probably more important than, um, than him not getting a yellow. Yes, he might, he would, he, well he wouldn't have made that challenge, and if he did, he's off. If he doesn't, we're through on goal. I think I think referees, especially in finals, they do tend to ref it differently. They allow the occasion yep. to rule the, rule the, their their thoughts. But I, I do think this does happen in, in big games quite a lot. Casimiro Real Madrid has been making he's made a career out of this. And I think the referee should have been smarter. It was his first ever final and of course these refs have gotta get experience somewhere so do you give them a minor cup final to, to do that in. But yeah, I, I thought all round it was poor but but there's nothing you can do. You can't go to VAR for yellow cards because then we'd never finish. They'd still be playing now. So I think the referee needs to be smarter. The referee needs to be stronger. But the referee in this country, it is pretty pathetic. They they're over reliant on VAR to make their minds up for them, and it's just it's just that that's just the way it is. We need better referees. I I uh,
2: any Spurs fan who's especially upset because it's a final and they feel that the final was poorly refed. I don't want to like. Um... Try to take that away from them, but for me, this isn't like, this isn't specific to, <clears throat> to this game or to this referee. I don't think that he specifically has done a poor job. I think that like he has largely played it within how it is played within our game. This is something that we don't just see in this particular game, but we see week in week out with City, and we saw plenty with us under Pochettino as well. We got away with quite a few could have been yellows, tactical fouls. I think that this is the way that tactical fouls are refereed in the sport across the, the elite leagues and so our frustration yes it can be at that one ref if you want it to be and, and that works for you but i think that the the if we're looking for a solution here it it's something more systemic towards how how tactical fouls are refereed and i yeah i i i i think <laughs> i think i'm in support of of much harsher refereeing tactical fouls um we saw um we saw Fabinho's uh, oh shoulder God. bar challenge <laughs> on Saint Maximum, which which was yellow, um, but maybe that maybe that should be a red because there's no intent to play the ball, and, and maybe that's how we should be looking at things. Um, but I don't personally, I don't, I don't blame the specific ref because I think that he's he's refereeing pretty much in line with his colleagues.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, I, I sort of see, I sort of see what you're both saying. Um, yeah it's annoying i mean it's not like it's not like we were perfect locelso is an absolute pest for stopping free kicks being taken quickly for example he did he he literally does it every time the opposition gets a free kick he is stood over the ball immediately that should be a yellow card he kicks the ball away that should be a yellow card so it's it, it works both ways um it just irritates me because it's stuff that's it's, it's black and white, it's clear-cut, it's easy to crack down on. It's something that referees shouldn't... like. They shouldn't feel like they're not going to be backed on because I think most fans will back them on these things. Like It's clearly a yellow card, just fine, hand out the yellow, get on with it. Um. Yeah, that's the frustration for me, I think. It's because it's easy and, we, and, and not doing it is frustrating.
1: We didn't lose this final because of the referee not booking Laporte. There was plenty of other stuff to go against us. Yeah. So we we lost it for 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 many different things but i think ultimately you know i i admire how we try to play at the back i mean it's always Difficult when you're when one of your passing out the back options is Eric Dyer, who then wanders into no man's land and gives the ball away. But I think I don't want to go in on Dyer. I've been on, in on Dyer many times, and I thought he I thought he played pretty well, and he put in that kind of performance, which makes me think that if he was a Burnley, he would be fantastic because he's if you let him, allow him to drop deep and defend his goal line, he's pretty good. But um, I yeah I, I do have to question the logic of of being brave in possession when you've got. Eric Dyer trying to pass into Harry Winks in midfield. That's that's what's confusing for me.
0: I, I thought Dyer also played well against Southampton, by the way, in a higher line. I thought he had a very effective match. Mm. Um, I, I just think Dyer's not a bad player. He's just not a great player. Um, Alderweireld's block, which was absolutely insane, barely got a mention in the commentary. I found that completely bizarre. It was like massively overlooked. There was one replay of it. It was such a good block. It was really, really impressive. And I thought he had a really good game too. I mean, Alderweireld's convincing me now that we did the right thing in signing into a new contract. He's clearly our best centre-back still, uh, and I hope he remains in the first team next season. Um, I feel like that's that's all we need to say on the final. Like It's, it's disappointing, but it's not the end of the world expectations were low they were a little bit higher with Mason but you know, City are really really good they're so good and yes they, they lost against Chelsea previous week yes they lost against Leeds but that's going to happen with teams every now and again it doesn't mean they're not a good team and when they've got Foden and De Bruyne playing at that level it's really difficult to, to stop them
1: I mean if you if you look at so we always use the Champions League final as as a cut off point of where we were and where we are now and if you do compare the two teams you. There is no comparison. Manchester City are just a, obviously they got the money and everything, but they're a smarter, well-run business from the top to the bottom. They 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 they've got the money to employ the players that they need and employ the manager that they need and everything else. So it is it is um it is you know I know we're both in, we could have both been in the European Super League to, together, but there is a huge <laughs> gulf between us and them. And um, that that was shown up on the on the pitch that um, they had a Cancelo who was one of the best players on the pitch. They've allowed they've been able to allow him to bed in for two years, whereas mm. our fullback is, is Aurier. and and Reggion. He he did his best, but I think I think he's another player who almost like when Fernandes joined United that he came in and it was at this level immediately just because of the players he's been around and now because he's been exposed to such mediocrity it's almost like his abilities dropped as well so Reggion is not the seven and a half eight out of ten player he he once was he's now he's now just an average left back which is which is which is uh, a point which points towards our bad management bad coaching and just the bad players around him I still think like you Windy that there is a lot of talent in this team but there's a awful amount of dead wood that needs a massive axe taken to it
0: yeah agree with both points there um let's let's talk about harry kane because we've been putting it off for a few weeks now it's it's something that crops up constantly amongst our questions on the discord and in our inbox people want to know what we think about harry kane whether he's going to stay whether he's going to go and if he does go whether that's a bad thing do we hold it against him um would it in some way help us with a rebuild so dan alvarez Um, specifically like talks about whether it's the the right thing to to let him go. Um, Have I misread that? Dan Alvarez says, if he really does want to go, do you feel like we owe it to Kane to not make it a terrible drawn-out thing? Nathan, do you think Harry Kane leaves this summer? Uh,
2: I think probably not. I think it's up in the air a little bit. Um, But I think that a combination of... um, sort of a limited buyer's market at the moment, especially without the Super League. And also something else I talked about before, which is that, like, people talk about players wanting to go as a binary thing, right? Either Kane completely loves the club and wants to say for everyone and would never leave for anything and would gladly be relegated with us to the championship, or (laughs) Kane is sick of Tottenham, refuses to turn up for training, (laughs) uh, is demanding, is handed in a trap, right? And the truth, of course, is, like in the enormous amount of room between these two extremes in which, you know... for a second like put yourself in the shoes of you're one of the best players in the world you play for your boyhood club you've had really good memories there you're really proud of what you achieved but you feel that like as a player you're sort of leaving the club behind as it sort of goes a bit downhill and you maintain most of the time anyway when you're not (laughs) injured you're brilliant and you are sort of there's a bit of a merry-go-round of managers and you liked the last manager but they got rid of him because he was mean to the other players (laughs) right (laughs) who were less good than you and you're sort, you know, if you're Kane, you're starting to think, well, you know, maybe, maybe it would be, maybe it would be all right to play for Manchester. You know, I've I've given Tottenham a lot, and maybe they'd let me go. But if an uh, offer doesn't come in and it doesn't materialise, then he's probably happy to stay at Tottenham. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think the discussion around it can be Harry Kane wants to stay or Harry Kane wants to go. He's, he's a, It's a huge, huge deal. Think about, think about in your lives, right? You moving from one job to another, you moving from one house to another and the sort of complex process of feelings, maybe not always, maybe sometimes it's like, I can't wait to move from this to this, right? But I think a lot of the time, and body maybe it's similar for you the the idea of moving is is a huge and it's exciting but it's also potentially a massive hassle in your life yeah. and and everything else you know i i think that it's a big deal and i don't think it's it's he wants to go or he wants to stay i think he's perhaps a bit more open to going than he was a year ago and and that's that's complicated you know so um look maybe he wants to go and he does and, and we have to we have to put ourselves together after the fact um but i'm not i think we're very insecure about harry kane in every single regard and i think we have to be a bit more secure about the fact that if you know if manchester city or psg are somehow stupid enough to spend 150 million on kane when they can instead buy Halands or mbappe um then maybe it materializes but it's it's probably a fairly low it's probably a fairly low probability and so we have to be a bit more secure about how Harry Kane feels about Tottenham so I'm I'm not shaking in my boots at the moment
0: yeah i mean i i i think I think that basically sums up how I feel too. Um, so you said that maybe he he wants to move now more than he did a year ago, and I, and I think that's not just due to the club situation, but also because he's another year older, he's another year closer to the end of his career, yeah. and, and that's really normal no and that's fine. Yeah, exactly. We you know had had we won a trophy, had we won the League Cup this yes, I don't think it changes what Harry Kane wants to do, but I think had we won the league this year, may, maybe maybe that would change it.
2: The idea that. Tossie never considered leaving Roma, right? The idea that Gerald it's... never conceded leaving Liverpool or well, until he did, obviously, you know, but they ended up staying. Okay, Gerald left at the end, but stayed for the vast majority of his career. I think that you can look at other examples. I'm going to I'm gonna fail to scrape the barrel all of a sudden. But King, you know, the idea that if King's knees were put together, that he would never have left Tottenham. I don't know, man. But I think that sometimes it just works out like that. There's a combination of insufficient interest and insufficient desire to leave. And I think that's probably, probably what we have with Kane here. And so... I'm just I'm just appreciating him at least while he's here, you know.
1: I mean there's one thing that scares me more than Kane leaving and then it's it's Kane leaving and then Hitchin getting 200 million pounds to rebuild the squad. <laughs> what is he going to do? Do you know what kind of squad was he going to build? It's no, I, Kane Kane I want Kane to stay. I you know, part of me is always like let's set this on fire and see what happens. Uh see what we can do, but you know, Kane is a guy that offers you twenty goals and now fifteen plus assists a season. Do you have to build your team around Kane as he gets a little bit older? Yeah, but he's he's probably worth it. You know, I got I get the feeling that I mean, I can't believe Nathan mentioned Italian football before I did. But <laughs> you get the feeling that he could just do a Battistuta where he'll just wait until he gets 31 and then just move for, for the titles if it hasn't come that way. But I, I don't think he's going to go anywhere unless if someone comes in with a ridiculous bid. And, you know, as we've already covered it, no one out there has got that money to buy him. And you're right, you'd go out and buy Haaland instead of spending £150 million on on Kane. <laughs>
0: Alexander Nathan said, let's leave Steve alone. So he, says, he said, Steve Hitchin has been getting a lot of stick from Spurs fans, including yourselves, since the Amazon clip in which he basically just just reiterated what everyone in football says about the January transfer window <laughs> yeah. that it's shit and a bad time to do business. A consensus seems to have developed that he's not up to the job, largely based on this and the fact that he looks like Humpty Dumpty. And I'd appreciate a quick <laughs> examination of recent transfer history. The Celso and Dombele, Cessignon, Bergvon, Clark, all club signings, some presumably in collaboration with Pochettino, Roden Regulon, Huey club signings potentially with Mourinho influence on, on uh, Pierre. And Bale probably Levy, but forgivable. Whoever's idea it was. Jensen Hart finishes Dotti, Mourinho Mendes signings. Not sure that's
1: quite true, but um, way, let's take it as read. There's not one success there. You know, Endombele. Maybe something comes out. Maybe Celso comes out. Cessignor maybe, but there Scheuberg. and Schöberg. I you picked Schöberg, Wendy, and that doesn't make you like head of scouting. There isn't one success there. There's not one player that you could go, oh my God, that was a great signing for Tottenham. There's a lot of potential there, but is now two years in. LaCelso's is two years in. Sessegnon has, you know, lasted one season. Bergwijn, I don't even know what he, what he does. Clark, you know, there's no success there. So on paper, they sound interested in good signings, but they've, they've failed. I think Alex makes
0: a good point though And I wonder whether we'll view all those signings Quite differently after a year of a better manager I also, mean I, 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 I believe I really think that we've we've signed okay Like I don't When you look at it like that there aren't. There might not be major major successes, but there are also not that many major failures. Like I mean, obviously, I would say Joe Hart's a failure because I, I don't like Joe Hart as a player, but you know he's free, whatever. Doherty, absolutely outright failure at this point. Fine, no problem with that. The rest, they're kind of in the middle. Like they could be fine. They could be good signings. They could be. They could be really good signings.
1: I mean, Nobele was sixty million pounds, and right now he's not a sixty million pound player. He doesn't give us that £60 million worth of talent. And, of course, there are mitigating factors and not every transfer is a success and there's manager problems and everything else there. But, you know, you can't... Mourinho got at Chelsea, he got his Williams and stuff like that and he was able to squeeze something out of them. And I just don't think those players have been signed thinking long-term... Well, maybe... I just don't think those players haven't worked and I, I don't think any of them can be considered a success right now.
0: Fair enough. And look, I'm not saying let's not
1: shit on Hitchin because I, I find it funny when we do, <laughs> but, but, but it's not nothing to do with the fact that he looks like Humpty Dumpty. I've never even thought that. But I've never even, that didn't even cross my mind. He's just a bald guy, he, and, you know, there's plenty of clever bald guys out there. We don't go after them because they've got no hair.
2: I, th- I think Alex also makes a another very relevant point which is the the mixed approach in that some of them are sort of like more hitchy, more managerial yeah. and then some of them are levy just sort of sticking his finger in and, and 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 identifying financially what is a good deal but what is not necessarily actually good for building a squad and um also uh, allowing way too much mendes sway over our last couple of windows um you know mi- mixed approach and mixed results and I think that when we do things you know properly through the scouting network, maybe with some data involved we have we have been um uh, we've had some involvement with with twenty first club I't if we still do um I'm really happy with the Ndombele signing. I appreciate things haven't worked out brilliantly with him so far, but I I think we've seen his brilliance on the pitch, and I think that under good management, um, that that brilliance will mean something for us week in, week out. Uh, Let's also, I kind of feel similarly about, Session Young is a a player who I was hugely excited by and and, I'm starting to have a little bit of doubt over now. Uh, We did a video on him and we were pretty happy, but things have gotten less well for him on his loan since. Uh, Bergwijn, I'm still excited by. Clark, I'm still kind of excited by. So, uh, you know, I do think that there there are good signings in there. I think that it's, um, I don't know, I think it's not been that bad and I think that other clubs aren't necessarily doing that much better. They just have different budgets to us, you know?
1: I, I completely agree with you, Nathan. But I do think that's a lot of money there for for very little back. We spent a lot of money on those guys, and perhaps that we could have bought maybe two two or three first team players who who came in and made it successful or have had a good impact for that kind of money we put there. We could have signed I don't know a Neto or someone like that. The the thing with Kane leaving just always
0: freaks me out is like I mean who do you replace him with who do you realistically replace Harry Kane with and Spurs would probably sign Danny Ings someone of that ilk right I'm not against Danny Ings I think Danny Ings is a good player but he's miles off Kane he's miles off of Kane's ability levels um and and suddenly you have to completely transform the way you play because you haven't got a number nine that does everything and it's really difficult you know maybe maybe comes in and and steps no. up and, and looks really good maybe he comes in and he doesn't step up and he struggles with the Premier League it would just be really hard to sort of seamlessly go from having a Harry Kane as your number nine to, to not it's it's a scary prospect let's hope we hang on to him for at least another year for one reason or another let's do managers now Again, loads of questions have come in about managers over the past couple of weeks. Um, Jonah Shipley asks about Nagelsmann. Cam in New Zealand asks, uh, if not Nagelsmann, surely Nuno Santos a good option. Aaron Jenison asks about Nagelsmann. Gabriel Redus asked about Nagelsmann. And Jaco Lombard asked about Gian Piero Gasparini. Um, it sounds as though Bayern want Nagelsmann. And if and Bayern gonna want Nagelsmann, they're going to get Nagelsmann. Yeah. Nathan, you did a video on Graham Potter this past week. What were mm-hmm. your what were your findings?
2: thinking about how much to say without sort of undermining the video and and <laughs> you know trying to persuade people to to subscribe to the patreon and everything um look i i went in with some excitement over potter not excitement isn't the right word but some sort of like interest in graham potter but also a lot of doubts right how excited can you get over a manager who is in what is he 16th at the moment um and i i had some concerns about um how effective the football he was playing is. Um and having done a big deep dive on it in a like an hour long video, um, I'm really I'm really, really keen on him. I really think that um I really think that you should not look at the Premier League table um and, and get and and get on board with Graham Poor. I think I think he would now now Nagelsman is in the picture, he's um he's definitely like a, a top three pick for me, I think. Um, and I, let me say this, right. If Graham Potter has our squads playing the way he has Brighton playing, I think we'll be really good. I think we'll be a really good team and I think we'll have really good results.
0: Yeah. I, I I think Potter is, he might be my favorite. He might be my favorite manager option. The thing is, he's not sexy. He's not sexy for a number of reasons. I mean, he looks like he works in HR and sometimes he accidentally uses your mug by mistake. You know, he, he, he needs a quiff. He needs um, he needs a rebrand. <laughs> if his name right was Graham Potter- <laughs> Chino... hang on. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, yeah, it's it is partly the name. It's a very sort of typically middle england name isn't it graham is quite a sort of no offense (laughs) to grahams out there because there's nothing wrong with the name graham but it's a bit sort of middle of the road isn't it um but he's really down he's really talented he's really good he's really 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 good at what he does he's a tactician but he's also he's not just a sort of um tactician in terms of in-game changes though he's really good at that he's a coach he's an excellent coach he improves players um he he can turn dan Byrne a six foot seven centre back into a genuinely quite effective left wing back. You know, this is the sort of ability he has. He's, he's a very progressive, um, exciting manager on the pitch because he's not that, off the pitch, I think there's some snobbery around him, and I do like get the point that what's Harry Kane going to think if their new manager turns up for preseason training and it's Graham Potter? I think that quickly goes after four weeks of him in charge. I think very quickly our elite players would be like, okay, I can see what he's trying to do here. I can see I've got something to buy into, uh, and I think that would fade away. Bardi, I'd like you to talk to me around about Gasparini who's doing um, a, a quite remarkable job this season. What do you think
1: of him? I mean, it's not just this season, it's a, a continuation. He had a slow start to the season and he had to rearrange his team after losing, um, after Papagomas moved on. But he's he's a guy that's continued to collect odd bits and bobs from, from around football and do great things with them he's a guy who's very wedded to his football his um, philosophy and but i don't think he i don't think he'll leave italy i think he's quite happy in italy i think he'll wait to see what happens um i think he'll probably at some point get the the national job he's never really experienced expressed an interest to come to the UK which is a, which is a shame but uh, yeah he's a, he's a talented manager but I, I just don't think it's for us I mean he, he's got some proper cloggers in his team but he does make the best out of them and I think I've probably said this before that you know how good a manager he is because when the players he sells move on they they just don't look very good and there's it, you know Italy's it's scattered with um, players that have gone for great money Kulusevski at um, at Juve has, has come through him as well um I don't think we're going to go Italian. I haven't watched Nathan's video on Potter yet, but every time I've watched Brighton, they do look they do look interesting. They do they do play well, and they do have a lot of trash in their team. But the the opportunities and the, the chances that they create, I do get that feeling that um, I remember on the Fighting Cock forum many 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 years ago when we signed Pochettino. There was a guy, a Southampton fan, joined you probably remember this, Wendy, and he says Pochettino would do. Absolutely amazing things at Tottenham because the way he plays, the way he's got a load of a load of junk playing football. That if you just yeah. automatically just raise the bar a couple of bits, a couple of levels on each individual, you'd see results. And I, I do, I do understand that, but I do have a fear as well that it's it's, it's such a Twitter thing about you got back the manager, back the manager. But God, I've been doing it twice now in this podcast. But you do have to back the manager. You do <laughs> need to give him you do need to give him the tools that he needs and if we are throwing Joe Hart and Jetson at him then it doesn't matter who we manage, you could have a natural winner uh, as a self-proclaimed natural winner and to throw these players at him and it's going to end up in disaster so God knows what will happen to, to a young middle of the road manager who won't have the kind of um, support from our fan base immediately so I think it's a big decision for the whole club that needs, if you're going to go with Potter you've got to give him the players that he needs to play that style and you need to be able to get rid of the, the the players that can't do it
0: yeah now I, I think Potter I think Potter fits the club identity and this is something I've been thinking about quite a lot recently and um, particularly in light of the the ESL and, and Mourinho about us sort of getting back to our core values and thinking about our our identity as a, as a football club and Look, I understand the point that people want to win trophies, not play nice football to some degree. But I think playing nice, attractive football is absolutely part of our identity. I think it's an important part of it. I also think community work, community engagement is a big part of Tottenham's identity. That was that came through in a big way in all or nothing. So certainly, even if it's like a cynical thing, then it's, it's, it's what the club want us to think is a big part of their identity. And that's something Potter's been engaged with and has encouraged his players to engage with. He's he's unconventional. He's different. He's not the kind of he's not the guy from HR that I mentioned before that everyone thinks he is. He he does things in an <laughs> unusual does, um, way.
1: Salsa classes outside of work. <laughs> right, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. He's got a degree in social sciences, you know? He's <laughs> he's not he's not just a proper football man. He's he's an unusual mm. chap. I I think there's some I think there's some merit in appointing Graham Potter and just giving him a few years and see what happens. But Equally, I understand that uh, people want a more glamorous name. Personally, I, I think we need to make sure we go with someone who fits the identity and ideals of the club more than just appointing a name. I think it's really important for our next appointment. But anyone else that uh, you sort of give an honourable mention to?
1: Not really. I, I don't think Nuno Santo doesn't work. Nuno Santo doesn't work for me. Um, no. I heard some rumours, Roberto Martinez, that really, oh my really, God, no. really doesn't work for me. Um, Allegri is a name that Keeps being popped around, but I don't think that works for me either. Um, yeah, there's nothing there's nothing really out there that gets me too excited right now.
0: Nathan, any other names uh, on your hit
2: list? So Cam says uh, Nuno Santo has Wolves better playing than some of their parts, true, uh, and done good business. Well, they've done Mendez's business, which... As we well know firsthand now, can sometimes be really good, (laughs) and sometimes be really bad. You're essentially playing a different game to the transfer market, in which the fees and the players are completely unrelated, um, and you get a sort of yeah, you get a a a mystery bag (laughs) of of players, right? Um, But Santos isn't isn't the man for us. I, I respect the work that he's doing at Wolves, but it's not great to watch. Um, it's not the right kind of football for like contending for the league. It's good for Wolves and what Wolves are doing, um, but it's it's <laughs> it's mid block. <laughs> it's 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 not it's not all right. It's not all right for us. Um, I've got a couple more. I've got a couple more managers to get through in my good manager series. Um, I think Ten Hag will be mm. up next. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I better crack on because Nagelsmann's not happening, is it?
0: Yeah, no, I, I I like Brendan Rodgers. I know a lot of people don't like Brendan Rodgers. Uh, I don't think he would leave to join us right now, to be honest.
2: No, I don't blame him. <laughs> Rodgers did a really good job at Liverpool. Rodgers is doing a really good job at Leicester. Uh, as far as I can tell from a, a great distance, I think he did probably a perfectly good job at Celtic. Hmm. Um, he's just like, he's a bit David Brent, and, <laughs> and I don't like that. He's... Um, He's Liverpool as well, and it just seems wrong i'm i I'm, I'm tired of having that's the thing the, top, isn't it? the rest of the top sixes reject managers. We need to like go out and do our own manager scouting and yeah i don't know i i i I wouldn't be upset over rogers i i do think that he's one of the better managers out there I just like. I just want us to have a bit more imagination than that, you know?
1: This is kind of where I'm at with Sarri. I would really like him yeah. to manage to, uh, manage Tottenham, but I, uh, we can't go back to Chelsea's rejects again. He's, we've, we've done that too many times now, but I think he would be great.
0: I think I read earlier that he's going to Roma.
1: There you go. Those would be a good signing for them. Really good yeah.
0: signing. Um, I think there are a couple of other good managers that just won't get like the the popularity. Dan, Daniel Farker, I think, has done a fantastic job with Norwich. I think mm-hmm. Thomas Frank at Brentford is a good manager again they're sort of they'd be seen as unglamorous I
1: think perhaps unfairly I, I think I think a lot of those managers as I said that you can go get them like Gasparini you could go and get him but you then have to p- build the team around them. You then have to give them the players that they need. And at these clubs, they they have a, a very they have a they have a system in place in terms of the players they recruit and the players that they put in. Asking asking them to come into Tottenham with our mixed match of a squad that can't press but can't sit deep, or can't really do anything. It's it's a it's a it's a difficult ask for, for for a manager like can you imagine like Bielsa would be incredible. But can you imagine Bielsa coming into Tottenham? The players would be dead, you know. I don't think Kane makes it through week two of training, of pre season training. Um so you ha- if you're going to go with these kind of real big philosophy managers, then you you have to have the infrastructure behind them, which is this is kind of why I was so surprised that Mourinho didn't work because he doesn't have that. He has this kind of ability just to get these players through and win in things and yeah no he couldn't even do that so I think there needs to be a massive change at the club let's touch
0: on the ESL I've already mentioned it once um, but there's a bit of space now between the proposals and where we are now so we've got a couple of questions first Nathan15 says I've read a lot of people saying they want Enoch out after the proposals join the ESL rightfully so if that were to happen wouldn't someone much worse ethically come in to buy the team with our status now and Doomster says um, being in Australia I feel a little removed from the whole ESL thing don't get me wrong as soon as news broke Monday morning I knew it was massive and I'm pleased it's it's dead, and, dead in the water but seeing the fans back Backlash to this, and it only lasting 48 hours. It got me thinking: what else could or should fans get behind changing football? I wonder if this unified voice could be the start of other changes in football and be used as a force for good. Nathan, how are you feeling now, a week on with the proposals? For now, dead.
2: Uh, relieved that that they have died and that that's the way things worked out. Um, I don't know. I, I um, <laughs> because of my like. Um, my pre-existing political position and the sort of uh, lens that that provides me. I don't really feel any different about Enoch now than I did before because nothing about this really surprises me. This is always what um, billionaires, and in Levy's case, those acting at the behest of billionaires will do, is to suck any profit they possibly can at any other cost. This is always how they'll behave this is how they will they will try it with the super league again in a few years in when they re leverage the necessary powers to do so um and this is always what it will be like this is this is always now that football <laughs> now like it hasn't been the case for a long time as 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 Martin spoke to before um football is part of capital and and capital will always behave in this way so I don't feel any differently about Daniel Levy or Joe Lewis than I did before. I don't. I haven't changed my mind. And and as as Nathan Fifteen is right to point out, like <laughs> you want Levy to sell, you want Joe Lewis to sell. Who do you want them to sell to, and and why do you feel better about them? Yeah, exactly. And I I I I completely agree with that. I don't think that the I, I think that Enoch and Levy are probably you know the better of a very very bad bunch. So. Um, this is why doing this question is sort of slightly more helpful in that. And I tweeted this. I'm not so much Levy out as I am fans in. And and that is the only, that is the only solution fan ownership, uh, what the trust are pushing for, which is fan representation on the board, Um, taking back the club is the only solution to our frustrations. The only solution to our problems. Um, and how do we go about that? Well, we have to keep pushing through that. We have to join up as members of the trust. (laughs) um, you, you have to get your voice heard that way, but we have to lobby the government, you know? We have to, because we're not going to, you know, have a whip around and, <laughs> uh, and uh, buy some shares, right? It's not going to happen. It will have to come through legislative matters. It has to come through reform. So we, as, a, as fans, we have to create voices, yes, within the Spurs fan base and say, hey, Enoch, we want a fan on the boards. We want a, uh, an elected, a member elected um, representative or, or more than one in the boardroom every single meeting. Uh, To be part of, you know, to to represent us. And we also have to, as football fans uh, nationwide and and perhaps even worldwide, come together as a single voice and say, we want our football clubs back and we will vote in national elections um, in support of, of that ownership. And that and that and that belonging—that is the only way that we we get what we want. And then yeah, we can talk about whether Levy is the 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 capital share or whether he's still interested in that because there will be a, a loss of interest from from business now that they have to deal with you know us bloody rabble getting all involved and ruining all their plans. um Then we can have a discussion about who who the who's on the other side of the table. But we the most important thing is is getting a seat at it ourselves.
0: Yeah, it's it's very hard to disagree with any of that. I think. In the heat of the moment, I was absolutely furious, and I still am furious, to be honest, at Daniel Levy and E. Nick um had a, a really good chat with with our friend Ben from Wheeler Dealer Radio um who who made this point exactly this point to me um on Twitter and yeah i mean i'm pretty much on board of it uh, like i absolutely ultimately want Enoch out and Daniel Levy not running the club because i can't trust him i just don't trust him anymore i don't know why i did trust him to be honest i feel stupid <laughs> i feel i feel foolish i feel like he had a green screen, and now the green screen's not there. You know, I feel like he was uh, there was a loincloth and he's whipped it away, and now I'm just seeing ugh, full frontal Daniel Levy. It's, it's not something <laughs> I want, uh, not something I want in my burnt into my retinas. Um, but it could be worse. And the, the thing is, like Arsenal was sort of championing this new takeover that's, that's muted, who is um, so the, 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 the muted takeover is that the owner of Spotify will. will buy into Arsenal with the backing of some of their legendary players. The owner of Spotify has failed to pay artists a fair amount yeah. of money for their music for a number of years, Ridically. you know, mm. uh, costing people their livelihoods and probably mental health along the way. Um, it's just, it's all ugly. It's really, it's all ugly. And and one of the things is people say, and look, I, I get it, people say, what was Daniel Levy meant to do? Well, in... in <laughs> In Daniel Levy's world, of course he did the right thing. Of course he did. But that world is not a world that I want. It's not the world that I want to envision for the future. I I, would, I know I'm idealistic. I, know, I appreciate I'm idealistic. But we can. We've shown this week that we can make change happen. And that's why I liked Doomster's question as well. Like, what more can football fans do? What more can football as a community do? And certainly tackling racism is or should be high up the agenda. We're putting this out... Um, a few days before clubs boycott social media for a weekend. It's not enough. It's not enough. And we we've gone quiet about racism in football again. We've we've we're just as guilty, you know, frankly, we're just as guilty as, as three white blokes on a podcast. We're just as fucking guilty. We're complicit in some ways. Um, why is Chris Powell not our fucking first team coach at the moment? Why why is Ryan Mason who has less experience and less reason to be? We need to do more. And we've shown the power of supporters coming together to campaign. Let's let's try and use that for good. Let's try and force change that we want to see. It's Football's been slipping down this this long, slippery slope for many, many, many years, we, greased been, by Sky.
1: We, we've been complicit, you're right. All of us have been, and it has been interesting to see fans um, fight back against this. I still think there's a lot of kind of um, um, I only care about my club being involved in this. I think Arsenal's, protest, a lot of that is linked to the fact that they wanted Cronky out anyway yeah. really. Um yeah, yeah. But I do think as, as football fans there's loads we can do. The ticket pricing, timing of matches. You'll see when we go back to the fans being in the stadium I wouldn't be surprised if games are still spread across the day to get the maximum value out of TV without actually thinking about the fans that have to travel around and go to the games. Um I think perhaps this pandemic with all of us sitting at home and becoming armchair fans will probably have a knock-on effect and I... I think Dungster was quite good there. Where he did talk about the fact that being in Australia, he felt a little bit removed from the whole ESL thing. And this is this is kind of what they're going for. The the local fan is, yeah, is yeah. a tiny fraction now of the support. the The amount of upset people in England that got upset with this it, it pales into insignificance compared to the massive global audience that wants to see um, Tottenham against Bayern Munich. Every, yeah, but I
2: week. I think they've they've underestimated how frustrated the likes of of Australian fans etc are with this the idea that like everyone who's not like a game-going fan mm. just wants like you know the biggest fixture in their tv every week at any expense i think that like yeah this is this is the mistake uh, one of the bigger mistakes they've made is that they've 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 uh they've underestimated the the foreign fan and and how much the reason that the, the foreign fans are drawn to the club is to have that kind of same connection that local fans have and and buying into the culture and and buying into the history of football rather than just being Consumers at the end of the screen,
1: yeah, okay, yeah, I get that point. I think maybe I'm talking about more of a, a football fan in general, than perhaps not someone who has his, um, his, his like colors nailed to the mask that he's a Tottenham. It could be like these Alt Mourinho accounts that will just <laughs> watch football and be very transient in their support and kind of skip from club to club. I think for them, it's perhaps more interesting, but there's, there's so much that we can do as a fan base, and there, there's a protest, um, lined up for the fifteenth of May maybe and it'll be it'll be interesting to see how many Tottenham fans go there to protest and whether or not we get more than the sixty people that turned up last time because the impression I always had on Twitter is there is a big movement of Enoch out but we haven't really seen that mobilised yet. So I hope it does mobilise, but yeah. But then, as Nathan Fifteen said, then Daniel Levy goes. Who comes in? I don't think. I don't think anyone better is going to come in. Anyone? We're not going to get Mother Teresa take hold of Tottenham and just and live and all of a sudden have these values. I just don't. I don't see that happening. Not when you're going to invest one billion pounds into a club.
0: That's it. And you know, I'm. I'm more hopeful having been through this sort of last week of. <laughs> I guess trauma, you might say, in in one sense, that the, the positive change can come. I feel mm. like Gary Neville's done a really good job of making sure it's it's still it's still a big talking point. Um, I I think we first and foremost we need to lobby, lobby the government. We need the government to to buy into the idea that legacy fans need to be um, respected and that football as a as a community sport as a pyramid needs to be given some sort of uh, financial stability. Whether this government is the right government to 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 drive that change, I'm not sure. But what a great manifesto pledge it would be for for an opposition party, you know, get all the football fans behind you. That's uh, that's a lot of people. It's possible. It's possible.
2: I mean, the the Tory party sort of immediately started talking a big game and then immediately stepped back with their actual proposals, just to have a bit of a review and to think about things, which is nothing at all at the end of the day. But um, uh, despite it being sort of not in line with their overarching ideology, I do think that, that they could potentially just see this as an easy win and and a huge bit of point scoring with with football fans. And if they were to you know step out of their comfort zone and uh, do this, so I I I do think that it's worth trying to push this out of the Tory party. And, and then obviously still not vote for them but that's a separate thing
0: <laughs> well it's a good point because so it turns out that Boris Johnson had been meeting with with Woodward a week ago and it seems like he was sort of open to the suggestions of, of the ESL and then suddenly once he hears that football fans are against it um, he, he, he changes side that's what that's what Boris Johnson does he, he goes with the popular groundswell yeah. Um, so yeah it's a good point you make Nathan join the trust make sure you join the trust it's really important that you join the trust um, and I think be, be a bit more willing to be vocal and to sort of to, to ask for better, to demand better. I think we all deserve that. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his soundcloud D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.